in all the relationship is usually where we start to see that like how we respond mm-hmm. how triggered we are so what i actually noticed is that what people often really need is to kind of get safe attached again and that's mm-hmm. a really deep process and that's the hardest journey and that goes if you ask me with a lot of softness softening Welcome to the Seeing in the Dark podcast, the podcast for the women of the ancient futures, women that see beyond eyes and know beyond mind and are here to make a change from a deep communion with the mystery of life. Seeing in the Dark is about walking paths that have not been walked before and daring to show up for the mission and dream life that is knocking on your door. My name is Nicole Nima Costeras mystic, medium, initiated priestess and here to take you into the mysteries of purpose, power, ritual and intuition. May you embody your own unique essence so deeply that your vibration naturally teaches, inspires and assists others. Let's dive in. Welcome everyone to this week's episode. I'm sitting here with Rose van der Burg. She is a world traveler and a trauma therapist living in Amsterdam. And today we will be talking about a super exciting topic. At least when I saw this topic on her timeline, I was like, I want to interview Rose and talk about the shadow side of the new age community. And I think it's a topic that is not that we don't speak about enough. And there is more than enough shadows that I think we can talk about today. So I want to welcome you, Rose. I'm super happy that you are here today with us to talk about this. Yes, thank you. I'm also super excited. Yeah. So actually what pulled me in was a post that you made on the 18th of July this summer. And you said, If you want a stable relationship with long-term commitment, I highly recommend finding someone outside of the spiritual communities. Most Mm. of these places are so far from what it's really about. I'm so happy I left this world. I feel curious, what brought you to writing this post? Well, I was already processing this, this post and this kind of change that I was going through for almost a year. So quite some time, but I also, yeah, I think I wanted to share it when I felt really ready and like, okay, now I can really share it that I, I already went through this myself and I can share it from like a calm place. But um, yeah, I think that I was actually looking a lot for myself in all those years, the last years of traveling, of doing different kind of workshops, practices, trainings, and I was looking for myself, what is the meaning of life? What's the purpose mm-hmm. here? Yeah, what is life about? Like kind of a deep spiritual searching, soul searching. And yes. at the same time, I was also really searching for what does love mean? And what does a relationship mean? And what is a healthy relationship? And I think a big trigger for me to write that post and the change that I went through was that I kept feeling disappointed so many times in like in love and relationships in the spiritual communities and like a lot of the places that I was in. So I felt a what were those hurt. places? Yeah, yeah, I feel curious because yeah. we hear this term a lot. Eh? And I've been talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. the New Age community also in previous episodes. But what would you consider the new age or the spiritual community? I personally traveled a lot and I feel that there's like these specific places on earth that are really centering around spiritual like practices. And there is, of course, also the more ancient spiritual practice. I think that's more where you are now, what you're focusing on. But kind of the new age, I think, is more like the, the newer spiritual uh, practices and communities so i would say um, most people that are a little bit in this world know it it's like goa bali mexico guatemala tulum um, ibiza. ibiza amsterdam a bit as well and then i think america also has uh, quite some of those spots hawaii yeah, yeah. so yes. it's like specific places where they also say that there is like more a stronger energy centers i think that's often the story that in these places there was like a discovery that there are strong energetic spots there and that's what pulled people to these places and started mm-hmm. to build uh like healing centers meditation centers and i think from there it became more and more bigger and also often very commercial 
So, yeah, it's, I think it's also a lot business now. Yes. That's also a very interesting side to it to go into later, I think. But um, mm -hmm. so the intention, I think, is good is to create something coming from like love and wanting to help people to heal and to find themselves or to connect with something deeper. But then mm -hmm. it ends up often to become very commercial and even, yeah, can become even very toxic. That's what I found. Yeah, because I think you spent quite a lot of time in spiritual communities, right? I mean, when I mm -hmm. look back in my life, it's, I think, over 20 years where I'm actively spending time in different spiritual yeah. communities, new age communities, ancient communities. Like I had a big journey through many different communities. And I think I read in your post that you also spent like eight years or a decade exploring different modalities inside the spiritual community. Can yeah, you name true. some of those modalities that you've been exploring? Yes, for sure. Um, I think I wrote it also in my post, but it started really with Tantra. So that was my first experience, which, by the way, that's actually the only thing that I would recommend to people. If you want to do something with Tantra, that was the Center for Tantra, Centrum for Tantra in Amsterdam. Mm. which was an eight-day training for young people. And that completely changed my life. That was amazing because that's yes. the real Tantra, the one that you actually the first four days don't even touch anyone. You're just with yourself, feeling yourself, doing meditations with yourself, and then slowly you connect with others. And it's nothing with sexuality actually at all, which mm -hmm. I think often people think of when they hear the word Tantra. So, so that was yes. Tantra. Then there was the whole like sexuality part of Tantra, which often is being called sacred sexuality. So I did a lot in that world as well. Maybe it's also, I think it's also a separate movement, but kind of the authentic relating, uh, heart IQ, this whole other like nonviolent communication. So that part. Mm -hmm. I did a breath work trainings a lot, transformational breath and connected breathing, yeah. a lot of meditation different kinds of meditation. I was also a lot into non-duality, studying the yeah, duality and non-duality uh, teachings. Yeah, a lot of movements, a lot of movement practices because I'm also a dancer. So I really got pulled a lot to anything with dance and music and art. And yes. yeah, like I love doing things with dance. So I think also that's super beautiful that you can actually really like connect with yourself and with other people through dance. So Kantik dance, dance mandala was like a five week dance meditation training. Many uh, things. Yeah. <laughs> <Lots>. Beautiful. So <laughs> yeah. I heard you say in the first one, when you did this Tantra training, it's beautiful that you name also a school that you felt happy with, because I yeah, think there yeah. is many schools where we're hearing stories about and we're not sure, can I explore my sexuality or my sexual energy safely? I also mm. had a good experience with my partner with Pema Gitama in Wild Tantra, mm -hmm. also a place that was held very clean that did include sexuality, but also was built up in a very beautiful and safe way. But I heard you say that it changed your life. So before we dive into the shadows, do you have some of the big gifts that these years of exploration in the spiritual community brought to you? Yes, for sure. And that's, I think, also why I mentioned it, because I don't also want to. I know that the blog I wrote was maybe quite harsh and maybe even a bit negative, because I felt that I really wanted to pour out this stuff, like ah, this like, yeah. frustration about all these things that are just not really talked about much. But at the mm -hmm. same time, of course, I wouldn't be who I am today without this whole life journey and all these different practices that I did. And the communities as well. So it's not like everything is bad, for sure. Yes. And I think what I really found is definitely one of the big gifts is I found a sense of freedom in myself. I really feel that, that, uh, yeah, I think I was always someone who is open and curious and wants to explore different things. But I feel that I learned to really don't give a fuck, basically, just like really be my authentic self and 
not saying that there's never any more voices because of course I still have these mm-hmm. moments that the voices are like in my head, like saying that I'm not good enough or something like this. But I think that a big part of what I, I got is to feel more free in my body, in my mind, in how I see the world. So yeah, it's very relative, I think, as well, like to who you talk to and how to explain this, like in details, what it actually means, right? To be free. Yeah. But I would say that, uh, that it's more freedom and also more connection to myself. So that I know more how to feel what is intuition, what is like really my truth, what is my path. Something deeper, mm-hmm. I would say, that is guiding me. Maybe call it intuition or your higher self or God or, yeah, some like deeper meaning and something that is always connecting everyone. I think that's something that I found as well. Beautiful. So, yeah. yeah, beautiful. And something that I think many people can relate with also, that sense of more freedom, coming home more to yourself, feeling more connected to yourself and others. And I feel curious what happened in those eight or 10 years of exploring all these different modalities. When was the point where you started to notice the shadows or the things that were maybe not so beautiful in the spiritual community? Yeah, there were actually many moments along the way, but as I think everywhere, there are always things good and not good. So it wasn't also that it immediately stopped me from going into that direction. Like, for mm-hmm. example, I remember when I was doing my first tantric sexuality retreat. It was from Andrew Barnes. Maybe you know his name, but uh, he went no, also, I, I think. No, okay. Well, he is quite uh, a name in the tantra world. But I think also now, well, he had a lot of negative uh, people talking about him negatively. Mm-hmm. But I think also that he went on quite a journey of like trajectory of changing himself. So I don't know how he's doing now, but that was like in the beginning of my journey and I did a training with my partner that I just met at the time I felt so unsafe in this uh, retreat Mm. because it was also a lot about sexuality and it was really like a lot of mingling with each other and the first thing he said was yeah I am the leader of this retreat but I can also have sex or do anything with anyone because we're all responsible Uh. for ourselves And I was like super innocent and naive and like, okay, feeling weird, but not, of course, super young, not knowing what's going on. And like, okay, it feels not so good, but I just try to focus on myself and my partner. But the whole vibe already was uh, pretty bad for me, of course, from this comment and a lot of other things as well that I saw happening. I'm not going to go into all the details, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I just felt uh, very unsafe and I just always also had this feeling and that kind of started a bit with tantra but i felt it also in like a lot of yeah even authentic relating and dance or ecstatic dance or yeah Mm -hmm. like the sexuality side of tantra but the normal tantra as well that it's a lot of times very supported to kind of connect with everyone and be open to everyone to get hugs or to eye gaze or to touch and there's a lot of (laughs) yes (laughs) there's a lot of this like if you feel that you don't want it there's one side that says okay give your boundary and like learn to say no but at the same time it's like if you have any resistance then it's like you're actually having uh, the other person as your mirror so there's something in you that you need to look at so sometimes it's even like use like a lot of manipulation um Mm. i think what i saw but that's only looking back or like after more and more time in those places i started seeing that And I think also it's a very like distorted uh, way for men and women to relate with each other and a lot of like supporting of, yeah, they say like the divine masculine and divine feminine. But what I see is actually that we are actually just as lost as in the rest of the world, that there's like making, for example, men more emotional, more soft more connected to their feelings. Of course, again, it started with a good intention that if, like, let's very generalize it, but that men are a bit more avoidant often and women are a bit more anxious. That's what you often see, like if you look at attachment, also from like a trauma perspective and like how attachment works. 
But then you see that the idea to bring a bit more people to the middle of like men a bit more in their feeling and maybe women also in a way more connected to their feminine. So softer and more like embracing their emotions, but maybe also more with the masculine so they can lead themselves or they can be more independent or they can be more successful in business. Like all those things, a bit generalized now, but that's like kind of with a good intention. But then you see that the balance is also completely lost. So do you mean you're talking more about when there's flip polarities in relationships or when the polarity is a little bit confused in a relationship yeah. between men and women? I think that it's very flipped and confused. And also there's, of course, now this whole movement about masculine feminine and bringing men more to the masculine because that's also happening now a lot and then women yes. more to the feminine which there is again also very good side but at the same time i still see that i still have a lot of times a feeling that people really don't know what it's really about that it's still like mm. the words i actually saw a really nice video yesterday from a girl who was saying that now The idea, I think, is a lot, for example, that feminine is like soft or feeling or being like in the house and caring for the house or cooking or like all this kind of very stereotype things. And she was saying, but then again, you're putting yourself in a box. Well, yeah. the feminine is way more a state of being, like how you actually feel that for you is feminine, like this surrendering to, at least that's how I see it, to like, how you want to create and what's coming from you deep inside instead of mm -hmm. like this, all these ideas of oh, this is like feminine. And so, yeah, that's. Yeah. So what I hear you say so far is that the confusion or the resistance or the, I'd say the awareness on the shadow for you started in the relationship and sexuality direction. So spaces yeah. that were not held safe, spaces that participants did not feel safe in, but also like relationships that have flipped polarity or men yeah. that are maybe over feminine or women that are over masculine, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And if you would zoom out, because I feel curious, because I think one of the reasons why I invited you into this episode is because I think it's actually important to start talking about shadows in the new age community, because over the last two decades that I've been spending time in it, I can see how much it has grown. Mm. I think that 20 years ago, when I started to do my first spiritual, that was journey therapy back then, the Helende Reis with oh, Brendan yeah, yeah. Bass. And I remember I was the only young person there. Everybody was like between age 40 to 60. And I was like an 18 yeah. year old coming to like heal my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> But so much has changed since then. Like in two decades time, I feel that this spiritual community exploded and exponentially grew. And I think one of the reasons why we see so many shadows today, and I feel curious to your perspective on that, is because it has grown so exponentially and has become also, I think in many ways, like a trend, something mm. that is like, you know, cool to do, or like, I do meditation, it's cool. Or like, I can see how for many people it becomes this identity, but it's not necessarily embodied. It's not necessarily yeah. that is something that is deeply landed into their daily experience, which doesn't necessarily have to be wrong, but I can mm -hmm. see that sometimes it's blown up in the identity around it and there's someone else hiding behind that. That's one of the shadows I see. And I feel curious how it is for you if we would zoom out and we look at the spiritual communities in a wider perspective or we look from above, like what are some of the shadows that you see besides the ones that you've named so far? Yeah, that's really beautiful that you're sharing that because I feel that's definitely what happened for me. So I can so much relate to that because I feel that I was so much in this idea of life is just blissful. And I was just like all day in nature, dancing in my sensual outfits and in Bali. <laughs> and like, yes, so much. I completely fit in the picture of. It's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like uh, just meditating uh, for an hour every morning and then like juicing and doing vegan diet. And I did all the very like things that, uh, well, I guess if you would say there is like a points to checklist to be spiritual, like fit in this kind of spiritual communities. I was doing like all of them. Mm -hmm. 
And of course, for a time that felt really good. And I think there was uh, some good things, of course, that I gained there. But what I realized is that that really took a long time for me to realize that. But I see that more and more people are realizing that now. Also, from what I got a lot of messages based on this post, that how can you actually really change the world or like bring more awareness to the world or like better relationships or better way of living if you just like avoid kind of society and just go and live in bubbles and even Mm. in your own bubble and that was actually what I was doing I was isolating myself and also Mm -hmm. with that not that that is on its own necessarily wrong but I was with that also avoiding a lot of my own pain a lot of my own trauma that I didn't Mm. even know I had because I was so good in creating a life full of pleasure and abundance and I was manifesting all my dreams and I really feel that uh, most of the things I wanted to create, they happened. But that's a whole other like topic to question, like how good is it actually to be so much in control to kind of manifest all your desires all the time? Because Mm -hmm. for me... Yeah, there came a point that it just wasn't possible anymore, that I started feeling like I can't do it anymore. It wasn't even a choice. It just like completely my path of that old way was completely blocked. And I just felt that I needed to go really inside and actually just change the whole things that I was doing, change the this going from community to community and doing all the spiritual practices and kind of come back to the normal life. And bring maybe what I learned into the normal life, which I wasn't aware, I wasn't consciously thinking like that I'm going to do that. But that's kind of what happened in the last year. Mm. And as well, a lot of the the trauma that I had came up as well in the last year. Because I thought I was working on it. (laughs) It was so well hidden. Like I wasn't aware because if I felt bad, if I felt a little bit of anxiety... I would just go and dance and belly dance and like connect to my sensuality. And I'm not saying that that in itself is wrong because sometimes we do need to have like a practice or something to kind of get us out of a triggered state or out of a anxious state or anything like that. But I was just like using this all the time. So I wasn't actually coming to the pain. And even if I was doing workshops of like trying to connect with the emotions that's also another shadow. I don't know if you if you can still follow me, but um, yeah, the part of that sometimes in a lot of these spaces, it's kind of promoted to have like intense emotional releases and a lot of catalysts. And the more crying or anger, the better, the more you're actually going to your healing. But I realized that, of course, it's hard to say if all of that is wrong, but the way I look at it now after also really looking at what is trauma and even discovering more and more about it in the last year and learning about the attachments and learning about the nervous system. Mm. I was like, oh my God, I was so much in pattern still of like repeating this intensity because people that have had uh, traumatic experiences and that doesn't have to be something super intense. It can be just... It's more the feeling than the experience. If you know, I don't know if you know Gabor Mate, but he is, uh, for me, mm-hmm. like a big inspiration on this. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyone that's listening, I would uh, highly recommend looking him up because he explains that all the mental illnesses and actually all diseases and yeah, all of that is basically coming from trauma. And he's also explaining that it's not actually what happened, but how you felt. So it can be just that you showed your painting to your mom and you were like, look, mom, I made this painting and your mother just didn't look. Yes, exactly. And this is an interesting point that you're naming because I'm just, as you're naming these shadows, I'm also going over my story with the two decades of exploring all these different modalities. And I think that a big chunk of that, I would say the first half of that, maybe the first decade, I very much recognized is being in the bubble of the spiritual community, but that it also would give me the safety to explore certain things within myself that outside of that bubble felt too unsafe, or maybe I didn't know how to show those parts of myself outside of that safe bubble, right? So I think for me, I've experienced that as 
a safe space where I could explore those things. And I can very much relate with you that when I came out of that and I started to implement that more into my daily life, a whole new layer of insecurities and fears and trauma started to come up in that. Yeah. And also when you name these spaces where intensity is very much encouraged, I can also relate with that. I can also see one of the shadows that people in the spiritual community get addicted to all these highs. Mm, like it needs mm. to be intense and you need to fall apart every workshop that you go through. And through <laughs> that, I see people yeah. struggle actually with building a stable life for themselves because it needs to be shattered into pieces over and over and over again. But also at the same time, I can see, I mean, I've been in so many spaces where there is intensity or deep emotions or loud emotions releasing that again there, the experience can be so different for each person in the space, mm-hmm. right? Because there might be someone authentically going to a very deep release and catharsis yes. and loud and it's loud and it's wild. And another person maybe takes that as, oh, this is what is needed to truly heal. And then it becomes that story of that person that actually goes into a trauma experience or creates some identity around how they think they need to be. Yeah, that's very good what you're saying. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. So this is what makes it, I think, complicated because I think one of the things I was curious about to ask you, because you're also a trauma therapist, so it's a topic that you deepen into a lot. What would be needed in spaces like this to bring more awareness around this? Or what do you think needs to change? Because it's quite complicated. eh? I think like a few weeks ago, we were talking about it a little bit before we started recording. A few weeks ago, I had the interview with Imaya about New Age versus Jesus, where she was Mm -hmm. sharing about her experience of being born again. And there's this part of me that understands that when you're being born again, there's a certain simplicity, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's the Bible, it's Jesus, it's the only way These are the rules. This is how you're supposed to live. There is a certain simplicity to that, that I understand can calm people down. Because when you look in the spiritual community, it also is a little bit of a jungle, right? Where there is so many different modalities. There is not one way to God, but there is like about a million different ways to go to God, (laughs) (laughs) which has its beauties. But also in those million ways, they're not all of them are maybe held in a safe way. Not all facilitators are authentic or pure. Um, mm-hmm. So what to do about this? Yeah, no, I find it very beautiful what you're saying, because I relate to the part that it's not so simple at all. It's quite complex and it's also not yes. so black and white. So it's already quite hard. And I think that I definitely can say that I haven't solved the mystery of life. It's not like I'm here saying that this is the truth. This is the only way, not at all. It's just like in my experience from this uh, humble life that I've lived. uh, And uh, yeah, I just also, I've seen it even with my clients and like on a micro level that even with trauma therapy, like basically my whole vision changed so much on what is needed for people that have had trauma or are not safely attached, because I think that's actually what creates most of the issues in someone's life, that there is unsafe attachment. And almost everyone has this to a certain degree. There are maybe a scale from one to ten. One, Some people are like 30 percent safe attached some people, 70, 80, you know, but it's like on this scale. That's how I see it. But most people are definitely not so safe attached. That's where all the problems arise. And mostly often when we are in a relationship with like romantic partner or close friends or anyone that's really close to us, but can happen, of course, any relationship, even work, uh, colleagues or other acquaintances, like in all the relationship is usually where we start to see that, like how we respond, mm-hmm. how triggered we are. So what I actually noticed is that what people often really need is to kind of get safe attached again. And that's Mm -hmm. a really deep process. And that's the hardest journey. And that goes, if you ask me, with a lot of softness, softening. Yes. And that's actually what I stand for so much. And that is how I do my sessions. There isn't much intense exercises and intense catalysts. Like, I don't believe that's what people need. 
I literally have one client who had like five years of EMDR and mm. quite intense trauma therapy. And um, it's really great. Like it's an amazing therapy and it can be good for like, you know, few sessions, maybe five, 10, 15 sessions. But you go kind of back to the memory and it's this very specific technique that lets you go back into the subconsciousness and kind of rewrites your yeah. story. But if you do that too much, and it's kind of similar to the spiritual communities, if you go back to the story again and again, you're actually re-traumatizing yourself and you're just reliving mm -hmm. the same story over and over mm -hmm. again. So I actually, like with this client, for example, what all what I did with her was working on feeling safe, on like visualizing a feeling of feeling safe and just doing like super soft breath work, just like feel your own breathing, put a hand on your heart, put a hand on your belly. Sometimes people are really like, uh, is this it, you know? But I've been doing with this client this every week for like a year and now her whole life is really changing. She's really mm. like being able to work again because she was really like very lost and very anxious and couldn't have a healthy relationship had so many issues on like every level even though she was like a doctor and super highly educated and uh, but yeah and did a lot of therapies but i actually just like started noticing that the soft way is often what gives the most mm. like long-term results and really really heals people And that's also for me. So I actually noticed that first for myself, right? Otherwise, I couldn't probably even see that. Yeah. But I was also looking for a lot of intensity. I was also addicted to highs because I came from such an intense story with like my mom was sick. My mom was addicted to drugs, to alcohol. I was taking care of my mom for most of my life. I had abusive mm -hmm. father. Like I had a lot of, uh, you know, my father would got very aggressive and... My parents both really loved me and tried to give me what they could. And I think that's always the case. They don't do it on purpose, but they gave me a lot of trauma. So as well as love. And yeah. Um, yeah, I just knew that life was intense and you have to survive and you have to work hard. And yes. I just didn't know anything else. So in the spiritual communities, I was looking for the same thing, like this pattern of I was so restless and I didn't know. But I was just mm. looking for the next thing and the next thing. And I think that's what I see with a lot of people there as well, that this pattern yeah. is still going of like looking for the light, looking for God. Yeah. Now it's uh, indeed with the whole born again movement, this like new uh, movement of like focusing on religion, because it's again, you know, something new. You kind of come into a bubble It's not new, but like for all people that go from like new age to born again, I think that it's kind of new in a way that it's another thing to kind of outsource your power. That's how I see it. With a lot of those practices, if they bring you really closer to yourself and to living a, a daily life that is filled with like peace and calm and of course can also be adventure and passion and excitement, but If you feel that you can have like a bit of a stability in your life and like a good support system, if you then want to do a spiritual practice, it's perfect. And if you still feel that you want to meditate or, you know, anything or pray or whatever, I think that's beautiful. But as long as it doesn't become like an extreme thing again, that everything is about that thing or that guru or that mm -hmm. religion or that's mm -hmm. how I see it. Just a quick break from the episode to let you know that I have two spots available for my one-on-one -on -one mentorship. In my one-on-one -on -one mentorship, I support women that want to scale their business to six and multiple six figures. So it's for women that already have a foundation in their business and they want support to see how can I reach my first six-figure year and then we work together towards that. I also have women in my one-on-one -on -one that are already at six figures, but they want to make their life more easy by setting up their team very stably. I then help you with how to hire your people, what to pay attention to, what collaboration systems to put in place with your team. I support them with automizing parts of their business. So 
If you are needing to be present at everything you offer, then we're going to have a look at self-study programs, at automizing parts of your business, at structuring your business in a way that allows you to be only in your zone of genius and not do anything anymore in your business that you don't want to be doing or that you're simply not good at. That's one of the things that becomes available when your business starts to generate more income is that you can have a team and be fully supported. One other thing that I also support the women with in my one-on-one for the ones that want to make a shift from being a solopreneur to becoming the CEO in the Netherlands, we call it from the Eenmansak to the BV. And this is a very different structure of your business. Suddenly your business becomes its own legal entity and it asks for a completely different relationship with your business. So I support women with that. I love that. My one-on-one for the last four clients that I've been supporting one-on-one, two of them hit their first six-figure year and the third one was at six figures, but she completely rearranged her business so that she can feel truly in connection with the soul of her business, has her team in place and just feels like the spaciousness to grow again to her next evolution. I myself have been making a stable 200,000 a year for the last three years and building the foundation to grow next year to uh, 300 or 400,000. And I've learned so much along the way. I build my team up to now four people that support me. I have been growing from reaching hundreds of women each year to reaching thousands of women each year. And I just love supporting women in that process of scaling their business. So if this is you, if you are already at stable 5,000 or stable 10,000 with your business and you want to like grow to your first six-figure year or your first multiple six-figure year, if you are wanting to reconnect to the soul of your business and make sure that that scaling and growth happens from a deep connection with the soul of your business and your intuition, then this is the right mentorship for you. Sure, we work with systems, we work with strategies, we work with automizing, we work with team, and the voice of your intuition is always number one. So if this is you... Uh, you can apply through the link below this episode, to the link below this video, apply for a discovery call together. And then together we will see exactly if and how the one-on-one mentorship can support you. I would love to connect with you. I just want to see more soul-based entrepreneurs that no longer make a separation between power, money, leadership, and being a deep spiritual human being, because I believe the world will change when more of the money is in the hands of soul-based and heart-centered leaders like us. And so below the link, apply for the discovery call. We hop on a call together. You can also reach out to me and we can have a short check-in through chat And then I would love to welcome you into my one-on-one mentorship. Back to the episode now. And do you think the same could happen for the softening? That that could also become an extreme thing again? No? Exactly. I feel curious. We can talk about it in a moment. But I notice when, as I'm listening to you, I'm like scanning through my experience. And I totally agree. I see many women that I work with struggle with this addiction to intensity. And I tell them the exact same thing. I say, when you want to work with your sexuality, maybe it's the time to do that in a space where maybe you're only touched and there's only a hand on your breast. There is no movement and you're just Mm. breathing there. Or maybe you're just connecting with yourself and it's all super slow, you know? So I totally, like, I really feel you in that part. But I can also look back at some stages of my process where that intensity actually helped me to break through to some Mm. things that calmness would not have been able to in those specific processes. And then later on, I think especially in the beginning, that intensity helped me to break free from something that would numb me down so much. There were just a lot of things that I didn't feel good about in my life, things I was struggling with inwardly, things I didn't fully heal. And therefore I had this numbness, like a shell it felt around me. And Mm. to break free from that shell, for me, intensity was something that supported me so much. You know, it's almost maybe like a rocket that needs to launch into 
space. That first bit needs a lot of energy to come off the ground. But once you're through the atmosphere, you can kind of like float in softness and just be. So I wonder how much of this would then apply to everyone or how much this is also connected to where you are at in your journey right now, eh? where it mm. seems like you have been working through a lot of things and now it's maybe your time to kind of float in the atmosphere <laughs> because you've done the hard work. And now this is what I noticed that when I surrender and I'm available for life, life naturally touches the things that need to be released in me. Right. Yeah. So life naturally opens the part of that still want to be opened or has me meet certain situations that trigger exactly the right trigger to open me up to more of myself. So there, I can totally relate with that stage in our journey where things start to feel more effortless. Our opening and our healing journey becomes more effortless. Doesn't mean mm. that it's always a soft experience. Still, I can feel no. really intense and <laughs> deep yeah. things coming out of my body. <laughs> but there is a certain relaxation around it or a surrender or a certain safety, you could say also, mm. to experience all those things. No, it's definitely interesting. I think that there isn't also like one answer to this. I think that no. even, even like if you say that now, that this is like, you think that you needed that. I think that's also, you can only know for yourself, but even for myself, like I also don't know if I can maybe also say that there were certain intense practices that I did that helped me, but would it have worked if it was a softer practice? Maybe. Mm. I don't maybe. know. Like, I guess it's yeah. so hard to go back in time and be like, yeah, well, if that was maybe like this. But I think that in general, just what I see now is that a lot of those intense practices don't really work that well. Like, I see it also with clients that, yeah, just again and again. And I work really with hundreds of people that I've been giving therapy in the last three years. And I, I did also groups of women. And every mm. time I get the same proof to my face that... I see that sometimes when someone is doing something intense with them, that it's like when there's like a lot of screaming and sometimes also with breath work, with transformational breath, for example, I think breath work in itself is very beautiful, but sometimes uh, there's like something that's called, I don't know how you say it in English, but in Dutch it's called toning. I think it's the same. And it's like toning, really yeah. making a like, loud sound and moving your body. But some people just start to get out of their body when they do this, just start to dissociate mm -hmm. and scream so much and or they get uh, scared from other people in the room. And I yeah. see all those things happening. I'm just like... I don't know, but often I just find it more effective to let someone just slowly breathe and try to feel your body and what's how does it actually feel to just breathe? Doesn't always yeah. have to be so like ah and like you know. And then often after doing those things a few more times, they do feel also a lot of change. It doesn't mm -hmm. look like whoa on the outside and they cried and they screamed. No, it looks really like I feel quite good now or I feel chill or oh I noticed there was like a blockage in my body or. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. So actually what we're saying here, or I think what we're coming to is the first thing that is needed in the community to bring more awareness around these shadows is first of all, to talk about it. I think this is one of the intentions that we had today that we talk about it. So that there is more awareness on yeah. that. It's not all beautiful in the spiritual community. And like you said, I think every community has its beauty and shadows, And I think another thing that is important to that when you go into the spaces that you're learning and growing and transforming, that you find spaces that you feel safe in. Mm, Because safety, I think yeah. when you feel safe, you can do toning and you can be loud because then you will know how to honor your body. Then you will know where the right volume is for you in that moment and how your body wants to express, even if it's louder or softer than what the rest is doing. So mm -hmm. feeling safe, I think, is a very important piece to actually receive transformation instead of traumatization. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Feeling safe yeah. is definitely everything. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's also about getting to know the facilitator that you want to work with, trusting your intuition. If you feel something is off, then maybe don't do it. Finding the spaces where you truly feel safe, I think is an important, very important piece. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think also that 
that's also a bit of an issue that a lot of now workshops are given by people who maybe done like one or two trainings and then they call yeah. themselves like a healer and a facilitator and it's becoming more and more and more now. That it's yeah. like hard to find really the good ones that are actually knowing what they're doing because I think that every person that works with people should be trauma informed at least. Yes. Know I agree. I think that's, that, that might be the third one yeah. that you find the spaces there are, are aware of how to handle trauma when it's in the space, or at least do some form of a intake or check-in that when you have trauma and it's not a trauma informed place that they don't allow you in, for example. Mm. Yeah. So better screening and trauma informed places. Yeah. And more softness, I would say. More, more yin, more slowing down. We have already done so much yang in this world, so much everywhere. It's like go, go, go. This whole society is built on basically like men on testosterone. Why women, we don't have the same energy as men. Like men get every 15 minutes, they get testosterone. Where women, it's like we have a cycle that's uh, divided in four phases. And our hormones fluctuate all the time. And that's mm -hmm. completely different, but that's a whole other topic. But I think that's also part of the problem that still also these trainings and a lot of the world is focused on men and how the masculine system works. So I mm -hmm. think that uh, that's also something I'm super passionate about, at least because I just have this like passion for women and working with the feminine and also working with the cycle because I feel that it's everything like. Like yeah. especially for women and there is not enough attention for it i think in the world mm. beautiful beautiful so spiraling back to all the way at the beginning where you recommend people if they want to have a long-lasting relationship to not yeah. find it in the spiritual community <laughs> <laughs> and one of the reasons i think is also because you found a relationship with someone that is not connected to the spiritual community right yeah How has that been for you? Because I, my partner, we are both very much in the spiritual community and we are together five years. So I very much also see that a stable relationship is possible with someone from the spiritual community. But I also get what you're saying. I think there is also like a big trend around open relating where people mm. are super messy with it, where a lot of people also go into it from a place of fear of truly committing to mm. someone and they use open relating as an excuse to not face those fears and I mean, there is so much to say about it. And definitely I can also see a lot of very beautiful relationships in the spiritual community. But I feel curious to your experience, like what has changed for you being in a relationship with someone outside of these communities? Yeah, I'm super excited to talk about this. I was already thinking, like, oh, I'm excited <laughs> to talk about this part. Um, because, yeah, of course, again, uh, my statement was very generalized. And I think also sometimes when we write, we cannot like make all the nuances to one statement. So I'm happy also that I no. can, yeah, speak on it more. But there are exceptions, of course, and there are, of course, beautiful relationships and people. I got actually more messages from people who found each other in the spiritual communities. I got a few. So um I knew a few as well. But in general, what I found for the most part, it's really not that different from the normal world. Like all the patterns that you see in, like, let's say the normal world, I see them just as much in the spiritual communities. Mm. So it's not necessarily that it's outside better, but I think like I learned a lot about what I actually wanted also through all those experiences. And I was very clear on what I wanted and I didn't want to settle anymore for anything less after falling a million times, just to be clear, because <laughs> mm. I really was like all over the place and I really tried a lot of different things. And I think that. When I started, I really was so called to be, to be free. Like that's what called me the most. I have this like super deep desire to be free. I think I said it also in the beginning that that's actually what I got as well from the spiritual communities. But at the same time, freedom can also become a bit of a, like a prison again, that you think that you are free. But what does freedom mm. really means? That's like a very interesting topic as well. I think because yeah, freedom. For me, I also use it a lot to avoid responsibility and to avoid commitment. 
to avoid to take leadership over my life. And I think that's unfortunately a lot of times what happens also in relating and in relationships and in the spiritual communities that it becomes this like I can do whatever I want because I'm following my soul or I'm following my intuition and it's like complete like lack of responsibility. And I was mm. so much one of those people. That's why I can talk also because it's not just like <laughs> words. <laughs> I used it a lot. I used it a lot. Mm. And and I was also confused. You know, of course, I wasn't doing that on purpose. At the time, I really believed that. I was convinced that this is right. But in the relationships, I found that that's also something I'm still discovering and I'm super passionate about because I truly believe that relationships are so much important in defining the quality of our lives and feeling happy and joyful and healthy any kind of relationships, but also specifically romantic relationship. I think that deep down there is a desire for every human to have this, to have like a committed relationship. Even if some people might say, no, I don't really feel it. Or I just feel that that's my opinion. I'm not sure if it's right, but I have a feeling that deep down we all want to have that partner that we can come home to that can hold us and hug us in the end of the day. But at the same time, there is so much fear around commitment and so much that we also got to, we get to face with this intimate relationship about ourselves, right? Like you're also, mm. I'm sure it can relate. Absolutely. That, yeah, right? That like you see all your pain, all your shadows reflected, all your triggers, because the closer you let someone in, the more of your like stuff comes up and the more of also the attachment comes up so the unsafe attachment as well and i mm. think that for true healing i really believe that we need to have like safe committed relationships that's why also i wrote it because i realized that i think not only in the spiritual communities but i think in the world we are very lost here right now there isn't that many people anymore that are truly committed and i'm not having all the answers and i'm still also discovering this more and more but like, I feel that my partner, for example, he's Arabic, he's from Egypt, and mm -hmm. he grew up in a way more traditional, like, way of relating, and he's yeah. very emotionally intelligent, like, he is very highly educated as well. But from him, I'm, like, seeing a lot of more, like, ways of how it used to be, I think, in Europe and in the West as well. And I feel that we really lost touch with those things, but that he is, for mm. example really like a very masculine person he's not controlling or like you know manipulating but he is like mm. very leading very taking initiative protecting mm. my heart providing for me in many ways and I find that amazing and I think it was maybe also me that I was ready to really meet that because I was like I don't want any anything else anymore I want to meet someone that I can marry and be with for my life that's what I really called it yes <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, and I also yeah. believe that when you have those safe spaces, because I definitely experienced my relationship with Nemanja as a very safe space. Yeah. And I think we came to a place where I think we were three and a half years together or a bit more than three years together, where we actually did open the space to explore open relating. But we did it in such a slow and soft way that our nervous systems were able to hold it most of the time, not all the time. We, yeah, I think that those places even can be explored as long as there is a safe ground and foundation that you have together. Mm. At this point, we close that exploration. So, but I can also see that that exploration exactly healed some codependency patterns that we had because we were so safe together, mm. you know? So for us, it brought a really beautiful healing to open that space and it could shake out those codependency patterns. And there were some hidden fears to lose each other or some hidden fears, like, am I not good enough? And all those things could heal. And that helped us now to be again in a monogamous space together where we feel so much more healthy, connected with each mm. other. Yeah. So I think that's safe. I totally agree that when a relationship can provide that safe foundation, so much can heal from that place. Yeah, yeah for sure. And I, I think that definitely we have to watch for codependency because that's also my, for sure, my pattern to be codependent. So I still have to work on that. I still have to be aware that I'm not like 
completely focusing my life on my partner and on our relationship. And I'm also still, because I was traveling for the last seven years. So the last year I've just been here back in Amsterdam. So I'm still building my life here, my network. And so mm. that's super important, I think, to have a life outside of your relationship and have your own passions and have your own things that you love to do. Yes. And have a support system as well. Super important, like a support system outside Absolutely. the relationship. So like Absolutely. either coach, therapist, but also friends or other couples that can really like inspire you and support you. Yeah, I personally am really not a fan of like opening relationships, but that's also after the whole thing that I went through that I think yeah. it often creates so much unsafety and confusion and even people that sometimes were maybe in a really beautiful relationship. But I saw it happening many times that they did lose each other. And I, I, saw mm. that, I saw that a lot as well in the like tantra workshops that they kind of encouraged to go do practice with other people while people actually came in with the idea of like deepening their relationship with each other, like couples. But then they were like stimulated to kind of go with other people. And that's just brought actually more unsafety. So, mm. you know, and like it's confusing. interesting. Eh? I feel we're coming to the same place when we're talking now about your relationship and my relationship, but then also about the shadows in the spiritual community that one of the ground foundations or ground things that need to be there is safety. Yeah. So yeah. whatever transformation you're going through, whatever relationship you're in, that the deepest healing and transformation can take place when there is that foundation of safety within ourselves and with the connections that we make with others. Do yes. you think that's the conclusion that we can draw from this conversation? Yeah, definitely. Like there has to be safety first. And I think from safety you can build because I believe yeah. that when there is this and that takes time huh? because like, of course, you know, but the first years you don't just have it. It's like your nervous system, your attachment wounds are going to come up. It's going to constantly test the water. Is it really safe? Is it really safe? Is it really safe? Yes. But after depending, but what I heard from a lot of people that takes uh, often between uh, one year and five years before like established true safety. Yeah. But I think like, for example, a lot of times what we think like that we want passion, for example, in our relationships. And then often we get attracted to people that in the beginning we have this intense chemistry and it's like, oh, my God, I know you and I know your soul and there's maybe amazing sex. But then like often that's not necessarily means it's going to be a healthy relationship. It can even be a trauma bond that is connected to each other. Because mm. I think that. If you want like a real partner to share your life with, you have to kind of look at really compatibility and like, how do you really fit together? Do you have the same values? Do you feel that you can mm -hmm. be a good team? So it's so much mm -hmm. more than this intense chemistry, which often is the way I think people choose relationships and how I did it in the past as well. Mm. But I'm really noticing with my own partner that from the beginning, I felt kind of a sense of calm and that was quite new for me that it was really a different feeling. There wasn't this like, oh my mm. God, like this so much anxiety. And like, is he going to text me? It was like quite clear, like, okay, we are here. We want to really go deeper and we're just going to take it slow and get to know each other. Beautiful. And I think that from that space, I feel now we are one year together and the love and the, yeah, even the feeling of in love actually gets more, gets deeper. And even the passion and everything is actually growing slower and yes. going deeper. So that's super different for me now than before. Do you relate? Like, how do you feel? Yeah, I totally relate with that. When I met Nemanja, there was just a deep sense of calm. And I feel it has been a feeling of surrendering deeper mm. with each other. Instead of, I also have a history of searching for intense relationship and the intensity actually never allowed us to truly surrender into the depths. Yeah. Yes, I can relate with that. I'm so happy for you that you met this person also. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I also want to thank you so much for sharing. I think it's a really important conversation. I think there's many more directions that we can go on, but I think we touched upon some really beautiful core important things like the safety and like really trusting mm -hmm. your feeling when you go to spaces or when you go into relationships and to yeah, to not be afraid of stability and <laughs> continuity and slowness also that you yeah. mentioned. I think it's a very beautiful one. 
So if so, people want to find out more about you and your work, is there a place where they can contact you or find out more? Yeah, I'm actually right now mostly uh, on Instagram and a little bit on Facebook, but I just opened a new account, a holistic uh, relationship therapist. I send Beautiful. you the handle. I think you can put it uh, somewhere, right? Later. Yes, we will put it below this episode for sure. Yeah, so uh, that's where they can find me, where I post content on this topic. And um, yeah, I work with uh, men and women one-on-one. I give trauma therapy. I'm yes. still in the process of building something new that is more for like uh, young women. That's a very big dream that I have for this year to create something for women to get like therapy and hopefully can be covered by the insurance. Because I think that that's maybe something else that to end it with that I want to, to give to the people that I think that it's super important for everyone to have therapy, not necessarily with me, of course, but like just to find someone that you feel that you can deepen like with and that you can feel safe with and that you can work on like your attachment. Because if you anyone who's listening feels that they are feeling this uh, intensity or unsafety or a lot of issues in relationships or yeah or in themselves mm -hmm. i wouldn't recommend just going first for years and years into like communities spiritual communities or religion or anywhere just try to first find like a holistic body-based therapist so also not only talking but someone who can softly like guide you into healing those patterns because that will just save a lot of Long years of soul searching, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here today. And for the listener, if you want to find out more about Rose and her work, you can find all the links below this episode. I wish you all a very beautiful week. Thank you for listening or watching today and see you again on next week's episode of the Seeing in the Dark podcast. Did you receive any inspiration, motivation or powerful breakthroughs by listening to this episode? Then please share this episode by taking a screenshot and tagging me in your stories at nicole.nima.costeres. I would love to celebrate you, share you in my stories, and it would mean so much to have my work reach more powerful, passionate women like you. Thank you so much and looking forward to see you next week.